So, Mr. Hess. Well, let's talk uh, about the drug war. That's, that's, a, that's a good thing because you bring it up with the alcohol instance. And, and, and for the record, I, I've never been a drinker. Uh, although back when I was playing rugby in college, I do remember, you know, carrying pitchers of beer around. I, I you know, I, I don't care if people do or don't. I just am too cheap or I just have no interest. And I'm also kind of a lightweight, you know, yeah. a couple of beers and, and I, I get drunk and uh, three beers and I'm, I get sick. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't, I don't get the high out of it that other people do. Yeah. And it's funny because libertarians were the first ones to call for the end to the drug war. Yeah. So naturally, the hype against us has been to say, you're pro-drugs. Well, no, no, no. We are anti-prohibition. We believe that only you can determine what is right to put into or do to your body. And I tell the kids that when I speak to colleges. I say, you want to sit home and get stoned all day long. That's literally none of my business. Mm -hmm. But... You put yourself out into the public thoroughfare and elevate the risk to others that I'm charged with the safety of, mm. and I become your worst nightmare. Oh, yeah. And the kids get it. The adults don't. And that's what's really sad because we've got so many opinionated people um, that everybody is trained by these darn government schools that they've got to have an opinion about what other people do. And it's okay to say, I, I don't have an opinion. I, I don't have a problem. It's none of my business, like the people's sexuality. I, I don't care what other people do as long as they're not harming someone else. Uh, it's none of my business, and nobody can make it so. I think, I, think it's uh, a, I think it's an important point you make. I mean, there are issues related to drugs and narcotics use, you know, alcohol mm -hmm. and alcoholism, but it's the door to it and its relevance to everyday life, so to speak, is not as it's portrayed. And I think um, not at all. I mean, but but I mean, so uh, so that's that's a just as a point of order there. Sure. Well, the irony is that uh, in studies done, do you realize that by political affiliation, that less than 11 percent of libertarians have even smoked pot I, where and compare that to 28% of Republicans and 39% of Democrats. That in, and I think to be a green is prerequisite. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I just threw that in. <laughs> but that was, and it was funny because people say, well, that why is are a you dig so adamant? The greens, the greens philosophically have a point. <laughs> Pardon? The Greens philosophically, I understand you were joking, but I don't, you know, not, you know the Green Party makes a strong point. Um, sure it does. The fact that it's there and it's organized itself, and I'm, you know. But, but the funny thing is, is with the Greens, the, the, just like the Republicans and just like the Democrats, there is such a disconnect between the rank and file and what they think their party is and from the people who control it, those little power mongers, the, mm. the mischievous psychophants who run the different parties. It's a completely different thing. Now, the top of the party of the Greens, they want to use laws to impose upon you and me and everybody else. But the Green people, the, the rank, and I actually got the endorsement of the Green Party at one point, mm. uh, which is kind of interesting, because I said, look, I'm greener than green, yeah. because I want to preserve nature. I want to have a universe and an environment that everybody gets to enjoy ad infinitum. Uh, you know, we want to protect the environment. And that's what these, that's what the rank and file thinks. Mm. But the, the controllers at the top know they want to impose something. And the reason they do, always, every single time, there's somebody, some concern, some entity 
that is going to profit from that law, whether it's by a contract they give out to put up uh, speed radar cameras or whatever. Uh, you know, somebody's making money on it, and that's what the top of the parties, the organizers, all go for. The rank and file have very good intentions, uh, but it's how do we go about it? It's sort of the same thing with the drug war. You know, they say, well, let's just stop all the drug users. Well, that's stupid. Why don't we get rid of the problem, yeah. which realistically is the prohibition? I mean, we're not pro-drug. We're anti-prohibition. And we're not pro-gay. We're not pro-women's anything. We're pro-equal. That's all. Nothing else. I think, it, I think important to the Libertarian Party proper is that it's a, got, it, there is a protocol in place there that is effective. Uh, and, and I think that I think that, you know, the you know, the the administration, the hierarchy, the leadership of the Green Party could take some lessons there with sure. um, from from the Libertarian Party. Uh, and, you know, you know, because, you know, I mean, eventually you reach a level in life where you kind of understand, wow, I don't have to take any of this business anymore from any of these people. And, um, you know, and 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 that, you know, and and none of this government is is, you know. Uh, by right can burden me with anything as an honest law-abiding citizen i'm to be left alone um and and when you know people who perpetrate these things they don't understand they think that what they're doing is okay i mean and, and as soon as there's sure sunlight do. shed on an issue then it then it really stops happening because these things all you have to do is is understand organize you know find your partisans and then you can extricate yourself from the morass that is the misinterpreted misapplied um, rule of law and it brings me to this question is the presence of a secular state legitimate in the united states of america that is does such a bureaucracy exist or need to exist e.g comprising full-time unelected quote-unquote government employees uh, or can all such government agency functions be staffed properly and by the sovereign public citizenry and it's a coming elect i would answer yes because an agency isn't an agency unless it's quickened by an as a citizen who's incumbent to so enliven the position is i mean with that and, yeah and I mean, who's willing to think beyond themselves out of, i mean it, out it's of like order. you know al gore and his nonsense about carbon credits if you remember and and that was the concept that well we got to stop pollution and so here's how we're going to do it we're only we can't stop it they, they concede the point from the beginning we can't stop it so what we're going to do is we're going to sell credits you're allowed to pollute this much and if you go over that, then you're going to have to buy somebody else's uh, carbon credits who didn't pollute that much. It's become a hundreds of billions of dollars uh, are, are being funneled around through this nonsense, whereas the libertarian approach is far more simplistic and far more effective. You don't allow anyone to pollute beyond their own property boundaries, and certainly not the common air, land, or water. Right. It's a pretty simple concept, but the immediate retort is always, well, you can't stop the smoke from coming out of the smokestacks. Yes, you can. We just haven't developed the innovations or the technologies yet, and by having such a policy, imagine how many people you would put back to work. Yeah. Well, sequestration, creating is, uh, carbon sequestration is one way to do it, and, and look, big industry, you know, if, uh, historically, you know, you break it, you buy it, the most effective um, pro, you know, pro, technologically progressive, advanced R and D and applied new technology with respect to hazmat and with respect to pollution, right. is to be found in, for example, energy and oil and gas because they're the ones who it is the one who is put upon to 
is answerable to all that business. Also, you have to say, I would say this, um, some of the most derelict um, in bad faith operations regarding the same uh, uh, subjects are, can also be found in, in the energy industry. Uh, of course. And, it's obvious and that's where the money flows into political campaigns. Yes. Look at Doug Ducey. Who do you think is backing him? All special interests. And who's backing Fred Duvall? All special interests. Yes. I it's mean, I go to these who, forums, it is a, it is and they forensic, just keep promising more money. Yeah, it's a forensic who's who, and it's, it just makes it real easy uh, for mm-hmm. investigators um, um, and for uh, people in the community who are aware of what's going on and how the system works and not just supposed to work, but how it works. You get all that information in order, you know, you can put them in office. You can, you know, you know, put them up on a hill. The point is, is that everybody's gotten up and gotten painted the proper color. So, you know, okay, well, these people are all doing this. And that's how it works. I mean, forensically. Exactly. Um, it's, a very, it's, it's all very distractions. Nice. That's the game of politics. Very orderly. They divide us up as Americans. They divide us up into groups pit us against each other, and then offer to referee. That's all they do, Well, I ever. would caution you, Mr. Hess, they, mm-hmm. um, be careful, I always caveat, to um, be careful not to personify the state, again, or the government, that is, mm-hmm. because we are, as by rights, and the, the, the rule of law is that, that we are the state and the government. So well, anything we you're haven't going to blame been on they, you should take a, everyone should take a look at themselves first and say, okay, if I'm, am I complicit? Am I apathetic? Am I ignorant regarding it? And even if you, you know, as you dig and you dig and you dig and at least extricate yourself from, from the ex, you know, get up and have your say, form an opinion about it. Um, because those are the sorts of things that for humanity proceed in the, you know, and our nation to proceed in an orderly fashion. Ultimately, those are the sorts of, lists of problems that need to be extricated right right it's our job to stop when government comes into the game where it shouldn't be but we don't see that's the problem you're right it's well, you not do. apathy it's, you it's do. distractions and, and, and i do to the best of my ability based on my skill set and you appear to do so quite uh, uh persistently and historically so when you say we um i would argue that uh Okay, so we in the sense, and I guess that's why politics is a janitorial job, because everybody means me and you, which means we. So if anybody's, you know, derelict in their civic duty, then uh, it's us. It's us. We are. And that's why we care. And it's important. Uh, Sure. And and I bring this to enfranchisement locally at a local level. And when I say that, like, agencies can only be quickened, you know, constitutionally, there has to be a compelling interest among the citizenry or it's just paper and it's just somebody flinging money at somebody else and the interests aren't in the best interest of the constituency or the nation at large or the workforce whatever you're talking about and so 90 percent of the time localization is a critical aspect of applying constitutional standards okay united states constitution standards of protection for a given community all right this is to to my point to wit uh, the United States Constitution established the communicable writ-large guidelines for the geographically large and diverse footprint of the nation during the colonial era, which has only gotten bigger. Right. Um, this begs the question of why, for example, I now and I continue to hear such a great deal of disinformation declaring central government leadership today in the United States of America. Now, mind you, I'm a member of the PRAB, a known card-carrying journalist. So when information reaches my ears, I have to 
you know, I have to, it's, it's targeting me, and that is my demographic. So it may be different information that's reaching the ears of someone who isn't me. In fact, I'm, com- I'm positive. It usually so, is. It, yeah, and, and you as well. So, the, begs, you know, so, so why do I hear all this, oh, central this, oh, central that, oh, the state this, oh, the government that. All it is is a big boogaboo, you know? I mean, it's right. a boogaboo that really can come out and eat people. I've seen it, you know, you've seen people. You see it. There are people sitting right now, you know, in, a, in the pokey. And that boogaboo has put them in the pokey. There are people that are six feet underground, and that boogaboo's put. But it is a boogaboo, and it can be dispatched like other boogaboos can be, and by simply not paying, lending credence to these misinterpretations of the rule of law in the United States of America. That is a threshold constitutional protections that say nobody can just come and take your liberty away. They cannot. You have to. Sometimes you really have to get your point a hard line across. Yes. So who is involved with, like, said disinformation campaign? And we talked about ITID, you and I earlier, making lists, like, during elect- election season regarding whose financial interests are supporting whom. Um, but who's involved in the disinformation campaign, so to speak? I mean, there must be many, I can, you know, to obscure the facts about threshold protections. And to what end? And whose interest is that? And, I, you know, avarice is a chain to hell, I've always said. And so, you know, I'm taught in journalism school, and it's the most useful you know, I have difficulty separating the forensic application of currency from all of its other fantastic, you know, uses and potentially as an academic tool. But where's that coming from? Where's all that noise coming from? Who is it that's trying to take down the nation person at a time? People who are separate inside from the political aspects, the parts you see, they're the people behind the scenes who have influence with the ones that you do see. That's, that, it's a pure and simple kind of equation. It's people trying to profit off the backs of others. And we see it at the huge business uh, level, the corporate level. But we also see it on the smaller levels uh, where, like, for instance, everybody laughs at Joe Arpaio's, you know, pink underwear and rotten baloney and all that stuff. Go see who owns those concessions, who's providing under contract to the state. And you're going to find out a lot of it is Joe's family. His cousins, his brothers, his wife, everybody. Mm-hmm. I, and I like Joe. Joe is actually, I, I appreciate Joe. He's trying, and he, he's just, I, I appreciate his approach. At, he will, it, apparently, like, I, you know, he will try, mm-hmm. you know, he's just trying to do, he's trying new ideas. They're not always popular, but certainly can't be accused of not getting out there and getting sideways and making a, a new <laughs> effort. Yeah, I, Joe, Joe is, I, I think I appreciate him because in private conversation, uh, he becomes very, very honest and upfront with me, and I appreciate that. Uh, even if we don't agree on, you know, 30% of the things that that go on, and and his whole, you know, spiel is that he's going to enforce the law. Mm. Uh, what I urge him to look, do is look beyond that to see if the law itself is legal, and that's where I think there's a disconnect, an unwillingness to go a little further and say I'm a citizen first. And then I'm a public servant, second. Well, he's the sheriff uh, of Maricopa and, County, to, for the listener who may not know. That's, and, cor- that's correct. I'm sorry. And, I should have And you're running him. for uh, governor of Arizona. And so those positions electorally are important historically with respect to the application of the rule of law and right. interpretation. So uh, he won't bother to interpret it. He will just apply it, uh, like he said on SB 1070, which I was totally against for all the constitutional reasons. 
not the published idea behind it. Uh, I don't know if I was against that or not, uh, but I was definitely against the the imposing of SB 1070. I told people it's going to be unconstitutional, and it's been torn apart by the courts as unconstitutional. I was right. Uh, but it was a big hype message. I mean, that was the message. You have to remember how politics works because Jan Brewer just wanted to get in. That was all. And so a week before she signed SB 1070, she was against it for all the right reasons. And then when they did the polls and the, the public had been misled to such a great degree uh, as to what it was and how it would work and all this nonsense, then she suddenly says, well, I'm for it. And her numbers went from 60% negative to 60% positive on a single issue. And that points to an uneducated populace, us as our own government. We were totally misled. Nothing came of it except one thing, the one thing I did not want, lists, more lists, more citizens on those lists. And those lists are sold, stolen, or lost regularly. I want to get rid of the lists. That becomes a more simple way to, to solve the problem. We had 1.2 billion uh, pieces of information of private citizens, medical information, the most personal kind, stolen just last in the last couple of weeks. And, and I hear immediately, well, we've got to learn to protect those, those lists better well, the and actual, stuff. And, Barry, and I'm thinking, get rid of the list. The actual theft occurs when people are asked for their information. And, mm -hmm. and, and boy, they want it. And I also say that brings up a great example regarding local application of the law. Okay, somebody comes into your store that you own, right, that you've been tendering for 100 years. And, you know, they, you know, they, you know, they, it doesn't matter who they are. are you, gonna, you know, you as the store owner make the decision right then and there in good faith, you know, based on safety parameters, I'm going to offer my goods to the public. You like, right. Somebody comes in and you make an election look. You're, you're covered in um, feces. You have to leave. I don't care if you, if you just swam the Pacific Ocean. Um, or somebody comes in and they are the most foreign, you know, scary, potentially armed. You know what? I mean, if they, well, at that point, you might be alarmed. You might tell them you don't wish to serve them. But ultimately, it's the store owner who determines whether or not he is going to do business with whoever has walked in on the right of way. It's not for somebody elsewhere to determine statutorily what that store owner does with his business operations. And I, that's an example of enforcement. So right. the sheriff ought to know that, you know, the, the governor needs to know that anytime there's some statute somewhere else that says you should do it this way in your jurisdiction, that's some other caucus or cabal or organization or entity taking away from your local power to make a constitutional decision which is threshold which is constitutionally threshold so i think that's a requisite for um, um any sort of executive uh position such as the governor or the or or a, a piece of police officer a police officer okay and it, it, sure. they need to get that if they don't if they don't understand that and that that has to be that is the fundamental baseline threshold that the courts officials and the you know legislative and executive officials all have to understand there, there should be no question he made this decision over there right if you sign some contract that says well you know i i'm you know 
some some bank out of state says they're going to do it this way. No, that's that's for you to enforce here locally. So that's a problem. And I think that you know I don't I don't know what specific example you're talking about with with uh, with Sheriff Arpaio. You know, with respect to enforcement of law. I mean, I bring it up in the general sense. You say you you agree and disagree with him in certain issues, but you generally get sure. along with him. But that's how it has to be with respect to local law enforcement. That's what local law enforcement means. And you know, the governor as the administrator. And the sheriffs uh, and his deputies as the as the clerical staff therewith. There should sure. be. Well, remember recently they had the big hullabaloo about uh, SB 1062, about the the right to refuse business uh, for religious reasons. This serves us to reset. The good point. Thank you. Right. I, this was kind of really really bizarre. And they asked me, you know, of course, what what my thoughts were on it, and I was against it. And the reason I was against it. Here I am, a confessed Christian. Uh, make no mistake, I don't want government involved in my religion or my, my spiritual beliefs. But just the same, they couched it in those terms. And I said, wait a minute. Any private business owner has the right to refuse business to anyone for any reason, even on a whim, at any time. So if you codify this and say, well, for religious reasons you can refuse business, because uh, you don't like someone's lifestyle, for instance, uh, that's you know that's that's ridiculous because it opens the door to allow other exceptions, and it ignores the fact that we always, every business owner or purchaser, retains an absolute right to refuse to do business with someone else. Absolutely, absolutely, and it, it, and that was why. And so, a lot of the people who are proponents of that silliness, it's just a distraction. And they were saying, well, you're anti-religion. No, I am absolutely not yeah. anti-religion. I think everybody better have a spiritual base, I and I don't I care if they couch a... it in some organized religion or not. But there's a basic moral precept that comes from it uh, that we all should recognize. You know, you don't steal from people. You can't hurt other people. You, you shouldn't lie to other people or commit fraud. And that's, you know, pretty much the basics. And that's what it comes down to. But when they try to codify it, it is all a political distraction. Nothing more at all. I think 1070 represents an excellent study of, uh, of a bright line rule regarding who is functioning, you know, with consciously with respect to what's already there. Like, so, if, who, you know, if anybody jumps into that fray from a certain particular trajectory well you, you can you, you know you can, you, it illuminates well i think there are some more fundamental problems here with how the rule of law is being understood and applied i think it's exactly. great that it comes up as an issue you know before you even have to get any farther down you can talk about like tax and whether you know the federal income tax and whether it's legal or not before you even get to the 16th amendment you don't need to get there to have already been stopped and say, this is preposterous. Wait a minute. There's a moral idea. You can't steal other people's money. It doesn't matter what you want to use it for. Theft is still theft, even by government, even if they come with a gun, even if they say it's for the children, which it never is. Uh, It's still theft. Ask a three-year-old what it is when somebody comes and takes your stuff, your money without your permission and, and involuntarily, mm-hmm. and then tell you they're going to seek to impose some kind of penalty on you if you don't give them. And, and I would ask the question, if taking 100% of a man's labor is slavery, then at what percentage is it not? 